Here we go to our preaching or whatever it is we're going to do. It's going to be different. As you know. As it is every week. But let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you. God, and for what you're doing here today. God, we thank you, Jesus, for God, your spirit that's working and ministering. God, I pray that you would continue to minister through your word today. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, as we go into this, this new year, God, I pray that you would help us, God, to heal and God, just work in our lives. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, we surrender everything to you. God, let your spirit move, hallelujah, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, today is New Year's Eve, and I like to start my preaching off by reminding you of the calendar. Because none of you knew that when you came in. Um, so I'll just let you know that today is New Year's Eve. It's the last day of the year. And for some, the turning of the new year brings great significance to some folks. 2023 was a year of heartbreak, loss, pain, and frustration. And they can't wait for it to be over. There's been funerals and bad news from the doctor, children making unwise decisions, and all sorts of other things in between. And the new year to many represents a new chapter or the turning of a page. It's a symbol of hope or a clean slate. Nothing's been spoiled yet, so you wake up tomorrow and do the wrong thing first off. But as of right now, nothing's been spoiled. Um, no phone calls have come with bad news, no doctor's appointments. Um, you won't be getting any bills in the mail tomorrow morning. Uh, you might be there now. For others, 2023 wasn't too bad. It had its ups and downs, as years often do. But there were mostly ups, and it was an all right year as far as years go. Maybe this past year you started a, a new job that you enjoy, or maybe there was a new baby born in the family. Maybe you got a, a miracle this year or a prayer that you've been praying has been answered, or um, maybe someone got married. I don't think anyone here did, but that I know of, but in your family or something. And, uh, but whatever your year was like, there's a sort of hope that comes this time of year. And sometimes it's accompanied by a sense of relief that the last year is over, but there's a sense of hope just the same because it's fresh. It's a time when we make plans either on paper or just our heads. You know, some people set goals or resolutions. My wife's planning out how much money we're going to save this year. <laughs> we're going to eat better. We're going to lose those 20 pounds that we haven't lost yet in 20 years. We're going to read more. We're going to learn a new skill or maybe start a new hobby or pray more consistently or, or something. There's some sort of plan that we've been making, and it's a, it's a time when we look forward with, with anticipation, maybe some trepidation or determination. Those are my rhymes for you today. And uh, this is all fine and good. If you do it, I do it. Some of you do it. You know, we have. Maybe we've given up because we've failed so many times, but we've done it before. And even though January 1st really isn't much different than December 31st, if we didn't have a calendar, we probably wouldn't notice anything between the two days. But and we could just put a pause on all those things this morning. Um, before we look forward, we can take some time and look backward. 
because sometimes in order to go forward, it's important to remember where you've been. And there are many times in the Old Testament where God did something and the people would set up a memorial, often a stone or a stack of stones or something of the sort, to remind themselves in future generations what God had done. Um, you think of things in the, the Old Testament or the New, of, I mean, like, like the feast, for example. They were put in place so that future generations would ask why for, to force them, or for lack of a better word, the Israelites to remember the goodness of God in that moment. Why? Because sometimes when life gets on top of us, we tend to focus on the wrong things. And we can easily forget the good things that God has done for us. And it's easy to look around and go over the, the past year and we can see all the negative things that have happened. You know, all the bad things that have happened in the past year. And for some, those are the most obvious and memorable things. And we, even if we like to forget them, for some there are daily reminders of 2023 that will live with us forever. But what we don't always see is God working through these things. These oftentimes catastrophic events. And we don't necessarily see what he's been up to or what he's doing. And sometimes it takes a closer look to see. And so this morning I like to talk to those among us who maybe haven't had the best year this past year and also to those of us, I suppose, who have. And this may not all apply to the second group today, but it will at some point in your life. There is a psalm, Psalm 77, that's known as a song of lament. And psalms of lament, they're a bit different than your typical praise song. We didn't sing any of those today. They often start off with some complaining or lamenting, some tears, some sadness, so focusing, if you will, on the negative things that happen or are happening in the psalm writer's life. But every psalm of lament you find in your Bible, they take a turn and they end with praise and thanksgiving. So for those of us today that can't wait for this year to be over, the countdown is on. This is for you. And hopefully by the end we will be rejoicing together. So we're going to look through this psalm of lament and hopefully come out on the other side better, thankful, and hopeful. And I know that I've been on a roll of depressing messages. I don't know why. So somebody, whoever this is for, please get it so we can move on. <laughs> Some of us were excited about the new year. We're ready to go. We're ready for what God's got in store. Maybe we came looking for a hype up message. <clears throat> Sorry. Maybe we came, um, maybe, maybe we'll be next week. We'll see. We can move on from this or not, but I'd like for all of us to be on the same page going forward. So that means waiting for some others to get it, catch up with those that are ready to go, then we'll do that. It takes some time addressing certain things and so be it. So we're going to talk about how to pray or work through some of these troubles that we face and so we can heal and move forward. So Psalm 77 is, again, is a psalm of lament, meaning it's a psalm of complaining or prayer expressing pain, sorrow, and confusion. But sometimes when we look back on the year, these are the things that we're faced with. So Psalm 77, read your Bibles, you can follow along. Um, this might be dead. Annabelle, help me out here. Verse 1, it says, I cried unto, the, unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. And he gave ear unto me. Verse 2, and... 
In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. 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 Only one head. Comforted. He says, I cried out. It sets the tone of the, the psalm. He says, you know, it lets us know that the writer is in pain, that he's upset, that he's hurting. And maybe, um, you know, he's not, just, he's not just talking, but he's also complaining. He's not just um, venting or, you know, he's not going online about it. I mean, he did write it down. It's in our Bible. We can read it thousands of years later. But, you know, that's not his goal here. He's not looking for sympathy from his neighbors or his wife or his friends. He's, he's what? He's crying out to God in prayer. He said, I cried out and he gave ear unto me or he listened. I sought the Lord. My hand is stretched out. This is a prayer of posture in the Old Testament. So the, the writer of this psalm, he is in pain. And in the middle of it, his reaction is not just to complain, but to complain to God. And he stretches, or he reaches out to God. This is a very important um, thing. He doesn't shut himself off. He doesn't hide from the world. He doesn't ignore the pain and hope that it goes away. He takes it, and with it, he reaches out to God. This is one of the most important things that we can do when we go through trying times or hardships or whatever. It's to reach out to God. It takes faith to pray a prayer of lament and it doesn't look like it on the surface but it does to pray a prayer of lament when you're struggling and in pain when you have tough questions it takes faith it's an act of faith to open up to God to trust him to come through to trust him to support and to answer and to care about you in your time of need we've tricked ourselves into thinking that faith is just positive or wishful thinking, but that's not what it is. Faith is continuing to trust God no matter what is going on and to turn to him in our pain and our confusion with our questions or our doubts. That takes faith. Lament is better than silence, but people are afraid of it because it's too honest. It's too open. It's too risky and it's too awkward to talk about it and some of us are, are uncomfortable already but lament is always better than silence the worst thing of all is silent despair giving god the silent treatment is the worst thing that we can do when we're going through anything that's the ultimate sign of disbelief you're showing that you don't believe that he cares you don't believe that he will intervene. You don't believe that he will do anything. But yet he came and he died for your sin. And yet he promised to never leave you or forsake you. And so when we give God the silent treatment, we're showing that we don't have faith. If you can't trust him with your heart, do you really trust him? Being part of uh, any relationship, is, part of being, if any relationship is being willing to be vulnerable, there are things about you that only certain people no one most likely they are or were very close to you, these ones that know these things. Not taking it to God is the worst thing that we can do. Anne asked Marilla, haven't you ever been in the depths of despair? And Marilla said, I have not. To despair is to turn your back on God. And she was right. Despair is the hopeless resignation that God doesn't care or hear, or nothing is going 
to change. And when we go silent and we stop praying, you know, we give up. But lament directs what we're feeling by giving voice to our own hurt, questions, or doubt through prayer. So turning to God through prayer is one of the, the deepest, the most profound things we can do to show our faith and belief in God. And lament is not something that gets preached about enough. I know I do, but I've never heard it much elsewhere. You guys are blessed to have a depressed pastor. But it's deeper than just the surface prayer. It's something that comes from within. It's easy to say, I believe, when the blessings are raining down. But can we, like Job said in Job 1 and 21, And I said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And a lot of us will stop um, speaking to God about our pain. You know, we'll pray for others. We'll pray for the church. We'll pray for our missionaries. But we'll ignore what's going on in our own life. And kind of hope it goes away. And eventually, if we don't deal with it, it will eat away at our faith until we get to a place where we'll just stop praying altogether. Silence is a killer. Maybe we don't know how to do it. Maybe it feels painful to ask or pray about it. But the Bible shows us that we need to pray through our struggles and give voice to them in prayer. It doesn't mean that it will stop or lift instantly, but that's where we need to start. Verse 2, it says again, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and seized not. My soul refused to be comforted. Verse 3 says, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Now holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Shows us that sometimes it's an ongoing thing. Sometimes the pain doesn't stop right away. And those of us that have lost someone or have gone through something, we know that sometimes it doesn't, never stops right away. Sometimes it's, it's too deep. Some wounds take time to heal. If I got a paper cut, it'd be healed maybe tomorrow, a couple days. I forget I even had it. But if you have a heart attack or you have a stroke or you have anything major, um, it sets you back for quite a while. It'll slow you down for a long time. The deeper the pain, the, the longer it takes to recover. The writer of Psalm 77, he brings his pain to God in prayer, and he's praying, um, but it's not bringing him immediate comfort. It's taking some time. He might think it's not working, but yet he still prays. It might not stop the pain right away, but we need to keep praying. We need to keep going to God in prayer. We need to keep that communication open. Praying at one time doesn't always fix it, right away. One prayer doesn't always just kind of erase everything. One trip to the doctor, we know, doesn't heal things right away. If you get some medicine, generally one dose doesn't fix the problem right away. Sometimes it takes time. And grief isn't a, a simple thing. It isn't tame. It's not the same for everyone. And so I'm praying these prayers of, of lament in the Bible. It's not a simple formula. You don't just do it once and all the hurt is gone. It's an ongoing 
thing. It's a song that you sing while believing that one day God will answer and restore. It's praying through the struggle. It's keeping the lines open and honest so that we can heal. If you are sick and you go to the doctor and you're not honest with them, you're not going to get the medicine or the attention needed in order to get healthy again. Right? If you go to the doctor and you've got pains in your chest and you tell them that, oh, my fingers, I think I broke my finger. Oh, he's going to look, oh, my throat's real sore. You know, if you're not honest with where the pain is, you're not honest with what's going on in your body, there's not, there's, as good as a doctor is, they're not going to be able to do anything to help you. There needs to be honesty on our part. If you tell me you've got a sore foot, but you've got, you know, your <laughs> migraines in your head, you're not going to get the proper care. I don't know why we think we've come to God. He knows everything. But unless we're honest with him, he's not going to be able to deal with the things. Well, he is, but he's not going to. He's not going to deal with it unless we tell him where we're at and what we're going through and what we're facing. And lament is being open with God through the process and trusting him and letting him heal and work and restore. We pray our struggles. And then with any sort of thing we go through, there's always questions. And then we need to pray our questions. Annabelle, verse 5. It says, I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. Verse 6, I have called to remembrance my song. And then I, I commune with my own heart, or I you know, talk to myself, and my spirit made diligent search. Heartache and pain raised some big questions, and the writer starts wondering why God isn't doing more. He starts thinking and reflecting. And some of us, um, speaking to me right now, tend to overthink more than others. You know, we all, but we all struggle with it in times of pain. We overthink and we wonder, you know, this or that or what if and all of these things. And when we're hurting, we sometimes seem to have more questions than answers. And so as a writer of Psalm 77 is searching and thinking. He goes over everything and he comes up with six questions. Verse 7 to 9. And it says, Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? And is, is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promises fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And this is where the writer, this is what you came expecting to hear on New Year's Eve, I know. We'll get to the good stuff in a minute. But this is where he's at, and this is where maybe some of us have been at this past year. We have these questions, and these are biblical questions. These are in there. These are songs that Israel would sing. This is their songbook. These are things, and we don't sing these ones, but this is, where, this is what they would sing. This was written to be prayers for people. These are questions that it's okay to have. Does the psalmist really think that God isn't loving or doesn't keep his promises or that he's unfaithful? I don't think so. Because you read the rest of the psalm, we'll see that he doesn't think that. But when we're hurting and sometimes we, we say things we don't mean or we say things we don't necessarily believe because we're trying to deal with what we're feeling. And praying like this shows that through pain and suffering, we experience difficult emotions that are not always based on the truth. But they feel true anyway. You know, how many times in our life have we said or accused someone of hating us? 
You know, in a time of hurt, even though we know it's not true. I've accused fellow ministers of not liking me. In my head, I haven't said it to them. You know, I'm sure none of you have ever gone home and thought, oh, the pastor hates me. All right, I see you all. Only a couple were surprised at that thought. The rest of you are like, yeah, every Sunday. I got you. <laughs> you know, sometimes we get hurt and we just take it. Oh, God doesn't even care. That person doesn't care. We just, these aren't things that are grounded in truth, but they're how we feel. It may feel like it at the moment, but it's not grounded in actual truth. And so lament is, is humbling, humbly turning to God through the pain. And it takes faith to pain or to lay our painful questions at his feet. Now this is it's a bold thing to pray this. Now do we even care? Well, that takes some sort of faith that one that he does care and he's not gonna smite you. You know, there's a sort of relationship you need to have to pray these things. And so he says, you know, anyone can cry and anyone can complain, but it takes faith to turn to God in it. And what praying these sorts of prayers do and what praying does in general is it turns us around. And so lament is a prayer that leads us through the sorrow and questions and doubt that we have and hurt and leads us to a truth that anchors our soul in Jesus. So verse 10, Annabelle, if you could, it says that, and I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also on all thy work and talk of thy doings. He says, I will remember, I will meditate, or I will ponder, I will think about these things. And this is where the prayer takes a turn. For the first bit, he's complained. He's got these questions, and he's got these things that he's dealing with it and all that we feel and all the questions we have there needs to come a point where we remember and we remind ourselves what we know is true it may feel like when we have these questions that i've been abandoned or that god has you know neglected me or i've been forgotten or i'm all alone or i'm not loved like i thought i was but he says i remember there comes a point where we need to remember who God really is. And he will never leave me or forsake me. I need to remember that the Bible says that nothing can separate me from his love. It may feel like something has. But I need to remember what the word says. Verse 10 starts with the word and. And everything shifts with that word. Some translations use the word then, which I, I like better. He says, I'm going through this tough time right now. The past year maybe hasn't been the best. My heart was broken. I faced trials and tribulations. I went through some valleys and I may be still in them yet. And he ends verse 9 with a selah. So after the questions, he says, selah, which means to pause and reflect on these things. So he stops to go over these questions. Will the Lord reject me forever? Will he not be favorable to me anymore? Has his mercy stopped? Has his promises failed? Has he forgotten to show grace? Is he angry with me? He's stopping to think about these things and thinks that, you know, things that 
Um, you may also wonder from time to time, but then there's something that happens and he snaps at him. He takes time to think about these questions. Sure, but when he does, he comes to a conclusion and he says, then will I remember? I've dealt with these things. I've thought about these questions. I wrestle with these things, but then I will remember the years of your power. I will remember the works of God. I will remember your wonders. I will meditate. I will cause myself to focus on your works and all the things that you've done in my life. All the times that you've come through, all the prayers that you've answered. And he looks back on everything that God's done in the past and he remembers the works, he remembers the wonders, he remembers the mighty deeds. And when he does this, his focus shifts from things that God has done to who God is, to his very character. Because lament is fine, grieving is a healthy thing to do, it's a good thing to do, but we have to turn our focus and our attention back onto the goodness of God or else we'll just get sucked further and further into this depression that we're facing. And I know there have been disappointments in the past year. I know there have been traumatic events and I know there have been moments of despair and perhaps we've even asked the same question as the writer of Psalm 77 and that's okay. But now going into this new year we must turn our attention on to something else. So we must remember his power. We must remember his works. We must remember his wonder and force ourselves and meditate if we have to on these things. And there comes a time when we have to stop dwelling on the hurt and the pain and focus on the goodness of God instead and remember how he's walked with you through other valleys and remember how he's answered prayer in the past and remember how he's brought peace in other situations and remember how he's delivered you and remember how he saved you and remember how he brought you out of the miry clay and set your feet upon the rock to stay and remember his amazing grace that saved a wretch like me and remember his healing touch and his provision and his glory and his peace and his strength and go into the next year with a determination and a focus that I'm going to remember who my God is and I know this past year hasn't been the best, but I'm going to meditate on him, and I'm going to dwell on his works, and I'm going to think about his goodness. And he goes on to say in verse 13, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? And his focus has shifted. He's gone through all these feelings, all this pain and hurt and turmoil and he shifts from why have you abandoned me and why have you forgotten and where is your mercy and all these things and he ends up in verse 13 saying who is as great as our God and that sort of prayer is only possible if we believe God is good and that he cares and that he loves us or else we wouldn't bring our pain our hurt to him it helps us live between the hardness and the reality of life and the goodness of God, which is where we often are. It's an opportunity to remind ourselves of how faithful he's been in the past, especially when right now it might not look great. Lament reminds us, uh, our hurting hearts, of what we know to be true, even if right now it doesn't feel like it. And there are times when we need to remind ourselves of what is actually true. If we're hurting, it's okay. We're allowed to grieve. But we should do it as the Bible directs us. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to break. 
But we shouldn't grave, grieve aimlessly. The word shows us how to do it properly. We need to get it out and be honest in prayer and redirect our weeping and sorrow to what we know is true. In spite of the valley we're walking through, we need to be anchored in the word. Your feelings are going to tell you one thing, but the word is going to tell you something else. Feelings are going to tell you, oh, it's over. There's no point. It's hopeless. But the word's going to tell you there's hope in Jesus. There's peace in Jesus. Your feelings are going to tell you everything's a mess. And my family's, my family's all in turmoil and everything's chaos. And there's never going to be any end to this. But the word says that he's the prince of peace. We need to anchor ourselves in the right thing. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be in pain. We need to bring it to him in spite of what we're going through. And if we can do that, if we can anchor ourselves in the right thing, it changes everything. Amen. And after our focus is changed, we need to pray the good news. So there's a shifting that happens. We pray the good stuff. Psalm 77 ends with the defining moment that made the people of Israel different than any other nation or people of the world. The exodus from Egypt. reminds uh, The psalmist reminds himself of it and how God showed his faithfulness and his love. So Psalm 77, Annabelle, verse 16, it says, The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee, and they were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds peered out of water, the skies sent out a sound, thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven, the lightning or lightened the world, the earth trembled and shook. Thy ways in the sea, thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leddest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so he takes his pain and his hurting and his questions and doubts. He anchors them in the greatest redemptive event in the history of Israel up to this point when he's writing this. And this moment reminds him of who God actually was and not how he was feeling. And as Christians, many moons later, our greatest single act of redemption is the cross of Jesus, his resurrection, his salvation. And this is where we should take our questions, our hurt, our heartaches, and our doubts. The cross shows us that Jesus loved us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And when we feel overwhelmed and full of doubt, we need to remind ourselves of the price he paid for us. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. Maybe it feels like we've been abandoned, but I know that I haven't been. And Paul quotes a psalm of lament, Psalm 44, when he, before telling us that nothing can separate us from God's love. Psalm 44 and 22, he says, Yea, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That's from a psalm of lament. And he quotes it in Romans 8, verse 36. He says, As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. You may remember that from seconds ago. Verse 37, he says, Nay, and all these things that are coming, these, 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 this killing, the the, the slaughter, all these things that we're going through, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We become conquerors by going through these things, these years, these times of lament that feels like we're being killed all the day long, and it's through his love that we do it that we become more than conquerors. And Jesus paid the price to make everything right. Even if it feels like we're being killed all the day long, even if it feels like we're sheep led to the slaughter, nothing can separate us from his love. I can anchor myself in that truth. Though no matter what is happening, no matter what's happened in the past year, no matter what's going to happen in the coming year, there's nothing that can ever separate me from his love. No matter what I feel like, there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. So whether this past year has been great or terrible or something in between, at this point, it's not what's important. What is important is who God is and what he has done for us. Good years will come and good years will go. And I hate to break it to you, but bad years will come as well. But the good thing is bad years will also go. Seasons will change. That is what life does. And that is how it works. There was a moment there in this past year where I dreaded answering the phone more than I usually do because I didn't want to hear but any more funerals. There was a couple weeks there. It was like every phone call, somebody was passing away. It was terrible. Has it been the best year? Life doesn't stay the same, but through it all, one thing remains consistent and faithful and true. In his name, is Jesus. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so no matter what is happening, we can anchor ourselves to that truth that he never changes and he never will. No matter how life is going or what we're going through, he still paid the price for our sin and he still died on the cross for me and he still washed me clean and he still saved my soul and he still filled me with his spirit and I'm still going to be thankful even in a year with ups and downs and questions and pain I can look back and I can see his faithfulness how he's walked with us through it all. I can look back and I can see him walking with me and I can see him opening doors and I can see him bringing comfort and I can see him bringing peace and I can see him making a way and I can see him working in the wreckage because he is a good God. And we're as odd as this seems, this weird lamenting message on New Year's Eve, we're going to take communion here in a bit. We're going to remember all that Jesus has done for us. We're going to remember his faithfulness and keep our focus going into the new year on him and make sure we're anchored in the right things. But before we do, we're going to open it up to you to give you a chance to tell about the goodness of God over this Past year, and I know, you know, this hasn't been, the, as I said 50 times already, hasn't been the best year for some of us. Or maybe as we've been talking about these borderline depressing things, you've recalled something that God, good that God has done. Maybe a chance here in a second, because I know you're all chomping at the bit. 
to go. But I'm thankful for the growth in our Sunday school this past year. Every district event conference I get up and I have heart on all of them about the importance of children's ministry because I'm supposed to. And, uh, and how important it is to have a Sunday school in the church. And I say over and over, you know, we, a strong Sunday school leads to a strong youth group, which leads to strong young adults, which leads to strong families. Young families, which lead, and it's the circle of life. For some reason we like to cut her off in the middle there and focus on trying to get them when they're teenagers and they're already messed up, or get them when they're 24 and they don't know what's going on. Well, we can get them now. Established, I'm thankful for what God's been doing. There have been days there's been more people downstairs than upstairs, which is weird. It's a unique situation. If we can keep all these kids and get them rooted in truth, who knows what God's going to do. I told you before, my mother came to church because someone drove out to their house in the middle of nowhere and picked them up. Her parents didn't go to church. I don't know if her, my grandfather ever did. My grandmother eventually did. She was in and out, you know. But I'm here because somebody picked her up. A couple Sundays ago, we had 60 people in the morning for a Sunday school Christmas play. That's the most that we've had since we've been here. It hasn't been a, a sectional thing. And we were still missing some. So I guess we got to have a play every Sunday. <laughs> well, God's going to grow our, our church to the Sunday school. Let's go. Amen. Amen. And I talked to another pastor in town. This church is more involved in, in the, the town than, than we are and bigger than us. And everything that happens, they've got their hand in it. Uh, but they don't have half the kids we have. And they're in Sunday school. And this is an opportunity that God's given us, and I'm excited about it. Amen. I'm excited to see where it goes. We were praying for growth for years. Yes. Amen. He never does it the way we think he will. <laughs> but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. Amen. God is good. And is there anyone else that wants to share something? I got a mic if you want. I know you guys love it. No, no you don't want to. Truth doesn't want to share the truth. Give me a second. God is great and greatly to be praised. I thank the Lord that He's in my life. And I thank you for all these children. They are a blessing to our church. We may not think so, but they are. They have a hunger that we don't know what they're looking for. If we just stand firm and teach them what they need to know. They'll come through. And things may not always come and be as we'd like them to be. But God knows what's in store for everyone and everything. And I just love him and I praise his name. Well, I have a lot to be thankful for this year. Oh, I'm sorry, Beth. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> um, last night I walked through the night. 
one word came to mind that woke me up. And I thought, wow, the word was Emmanuel, God with us. And I thought, God's been with me ever since I was born. I remember that as far as I can remember. And in my teens, I went astray.
because of little children. Some of us, new children, but they're born in church. They don't know any different. You're just like an animal out in the woods. They're wild as can be until you catch them and take them. And that's the same way with a child today. There's a lot of people in the valley of this church could be full, no running, but there's one wrong, one lie because we lie in them. So I know I'm guilty as next week. We don't pray enough for our children, and we don't witness enough for our children. I just love Jesus today. And I say, like a commitment to 2024, but this is the Lord of the Lord. War with Israel. That's a they forget. In the Bible it says that never Israel will not fall. She's going to be slaughtered. She'll be until we die. But to this day, Israel is going to come victory. And that's the way it is for the church today. We can condemn the church all we want because the church is only a building. But it's the people that's inside it that makes the church. And I just love Jesus today. Can you imagine that? I was How wonderful that. that is! Yeah. Maybe we have four baptisms this year. Praise God! Praise God! Exciting stuff too. Yeah. Alright. Anyone else? I know there's one person that's just leading the way at you. God's good. You know, sometimes we can, like I said, we can just kind of hope the year, just wait for it to be over, let's move on, write it off. But if you look back, you can see all kinds of things that God's done. And, uh, you know, we kind of focus maybe on the wrong things. So, um, God is good all the time. He doesn't change. I'm thankful for that. We're going to. Sing a song. Let me get everything ready. I'm going to ask um, Sherman and, and Raymond if you could help me.
And we thank you for your body that you gave for us, God, that you was broken uh, for our sins. God, we thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice, God, you paid on the cross. I pray. Hallelujah. God, help us to remember these things. In Jesus' name, amen. For I have received of the Lord which I also delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, this too in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. 